Hi, I'm Margaret Cho. You're listening to Monsters of Talk. We're here uh, with my co-host. I'm Jim Short. We are here with an old friend of ours. Um, not old in age, but we've known him for a long time. Yes. Jack Bulware. Jack Bulware. Oh, here. hello. Hi. Hello. That was the introduction. <laughs> hello. Right oh, that, was it? that was it? No, we, that's it. It was really good, though. Thank you. We're, We're in here Austin. With our good mate, Jack Bulware. Thank you. I've known Bulwer. Jack. I've known Jack for quite a long time, but mm-hmm. I found out you've known Jack. Way longer. Margaret knows me longer. Sorry, Jim. That's and all right. Jack and That's I right. have known each other since um, maybe 1991, 90? Maybe earlier. That was a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. In yeah. San Francisco. Yeah, early 90s, right. Um, very early 90s, like the dawn of the 90s. The dawn of the 90s. The, the 90s were dawn. just sort of coming over the horizon. Yeah. When we... Um, peaking. Peaking over. Yeah, you could met- just see the, the, the moment of like... Piercing and tattooing was just starting to it's like see, you could see it over the mountaintops. Very it was early the burgeoning on. industry it of was, the lower height at was, that it point. Was the, the Lollapalooza was just about to happen. It oh, hadn't yeah. happened yet. Like we were just listening to Jane's Diction. Wow, pre-Palooza. Pre. You guys it was pre-Palooza. Yeah, we go back that far. Exactly. But Jack is an accomplished author and also performer and also bon vivant. And, um, what does that mean? Does that mean like you're just a drunk in public? No, no. Who's, who's got a good rap? <laughs> he has like no. a, a couple of minutes. Yeah. yeah. The, the drunk who's annoying and is just just, just no. I don't. I, I don't ever think. But of myself if he's got as a good that. yawn, you're a, you're a bon vivant. No, I think no. of a guy with like some sort of scarf on. You know, with like uh, some sort of like. Uh, I don't know, complex shoes. It sounds you know? like Quentin Crisp in a chair. <laughs> <laughs> telling you about in 1930, I was like that with a, bon with a cravat. Bon, like, no. You know, years ago, I used to know <laughs> no, a William Burroughs. <laughs> literary figure, one who has created the culture as culture's happening. Somebody that I've always known who has been a literary figure, who has always been kind of just... Um, Vent, like a witness to what's going on and watched it and wrote about it and so I've written I've written stuff so I've known about you so I've known about like our sort of scene and um, I've always really enjoyed your writing and always enjoyed you wow. as a person oh well thank you Margaret so uh, I think a Bon Vivant is a very great thing I don't know I keep thinking of like some sort of like a you know uh, uh, the Ascot. kind of guy yeah the kid ties a scarf around his neck but you know, no, that's fine. I'll, well, you can I'll do whatever that. you want yeah. to. You know, I will if I have to. But you've been in the literary world for a long time. But were you you were you were connected to comedy? That was it. Was that yeah. how you sort of you would in improv? We groups? met at the improv actually with the National Theater of the Deranged in um, in San Francisco at the uh, San Francisco Improv. That's right. That's yes. right. Which is now a blues club. But yeah, back mm. then in the eighties. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. was the eighties. It was the eighties. Actually, it was, it was like, the late eighties. Um, there was a. Uh, um, it was a it was a you know Bud Friedman branded comedy club, the Improvisation, I guess, the San Francisco Improv, and I was uh, the MC and musical person of an improv group on Monday nights. There was a news satire group that was an offshoot of the committee from the sixties, mm-hmm. and they were called the National Theater of the Derange. And I was at least well, Ron Muriera and I, uh, we were like at least five to ten years younger than everyone else in the group. Yeah. So yeah, we were right. definitely the young bucks. So we would go there on Monday nights, and it was, you know, I was also a newspaper columnist at the SF Weekly mm-hmm. in San Francisco at the time. Which it just started. That yeah. is and started. I was, uh, yeah, and I was, uh, and I had, uh, I was the editor of a humor magazine called The Nose. It was a satire magazine. And so, I don't know, at the same time, I was also hosting the show, 
And, uh, and so I met all these like really crazy comedy people who that was a Monday night thing after yeah. after the theater of the deranged dither uh, show. Then it was like a sort of an open mic, and it was a cavalcade of people who are now yeah. really famous. Most like of all them, these people, like you know Margaret and Patton Oswalt and Doug Benson and like remember Janine. Dropping by Janine uh, Garofalo. Janine Garofalo, yeah. Uh, Mark Maron, Tom Rhodes. I'm trying to think of David old. Cross was David there. David Cross was there. Was I mean, there. but it was like this. I don't know. So I got to know a lot of those people because I was like, you know, the host and musician of this. Yeah, we would show. all we would all go to Laura Milligan's house and drink. Um, Laura Milligan had a um, sort of a flat, a um, artist salon overlooking Knob Hill. It was so we'd a go crazy, crazy like apartment. apartment. Yeah. Crazy apartment. I remember going there on New Year's Eve. Yeah. And um, <laughs> this is only, I, I, I remember this because uh, our magazine, The Nose Magazine, decided to do a cover story on the diaper cult of Sausalito. There was a secret diaper fetish cult of Sausalito, and one of our guys uh, at the magazine had found their newsletter in a garbage can at Kinko's <laughs> and dug it out Kinko's. and brought it back Kinko's. to us and went, is this a story? And we're like, fuck yes, it is. Jesus Christ. So so we talked to these people, and you know, the, the leader was named Tommy, and he wrote, like, oh, God, he signed all his that. letters in, like, this childlike scrawl, Tommy. And it was like a, a one-stop shopping for people who were into diaper stuff, infantilism. And so you could, like, order all these, like, you know, adult-sized onesies and male diapers, <laughs> and they would have all these like sort of descriptions of oh field God. trips to FAO Schwartz and playing playing with toys yeah. and peeing while they're like you know on these field trips yeah. and we're like well this has to be a cover story in our magazine so you know we uh, we like did a we not only did that in our magazine we did a, a launch party with a diaper fashion show mm-hmm. and it was just I don't know it's like a weird the time so <laughs> I remember Laura like at one point New Year's Eve party she was like yeah come on over to New Year's Eve and she had found the video oh that's videos right. of all these people mm-hmm. on the diaper it was called the diaper pale fraternity yeah I don't want to like uh, uh, badmouth them in any way no, no. but then that was their name the di- DPF. The diaper pale for and their newsletter was like seven point type. It was like just so much information for all those people, you know. So the diaper pale fraternity <laughs> had put out these VHS videos. So I remember walking up the stairs at Laura Milligan's house, and there was all these comedians there. There was like mm. uh, Greg Barrett was, you know, yeah, there was a Greg whole bunch of people there, there. and. Uh, and I walked up, and it was like people were counting down to midnight. It would just happen to be the time. Mm-hmm. And there was also a diaper video playing on the big yes. screen with a woman dressed as a nurse with a guy in a diaper, and she was jerking him off, and he came at midnight, and the whole room <laughs> cheered. It all burst into cheers, and I thought, you know, San Francisco is a very special place. <laughs> we laughed so hard about it. I mean, I remember that. I remember also when the L.A. riots happened, we were watching them from uh, Laura Milligan's apartment. Did you go there, Jim? No, I never did. It was um, her, uh, she came from from a very wealthy family, and then her family had um, uh, financed this beautiful Knob Hill apartment. Yeah, it was was an apartment I think that they had invested in some years ago but laura yeah. lived there after yeah. a while yeah she lived there with eric who was a detective um that's right for i remember eric sfpd he was a um he he was pretty butch 
Um, but that that apartment was really a kind of a catalyst for a lot of comedy people and uh, yeah. like the Nose Magazine guy, you know, the staff. We would all go to parties there too because mm-hmm. Laura and I, like, we were like had a relationship a long time ago in the early eighties mm-hmm. and. And we were still friends, and so yeah, I don't know. I remember going there and meeting a ton of comedians. That there were, were a lot yeah, of we'd comics. All just hang out though, right? Yeah. Well, we would all um, have sex with each other there. Laura and I also have a relationship there, so I don't know if that's news to you, but <laughs> it was a. I didn't. Uh, I didn't witness anything personally, um, other um, than a lot of like heavy frottage. <laughs> I think that was like, it. Was like the '90s where it was like really we would just do whatever. But it, was, but it crazy. was kind of an important catalyst, I think, in that comedy scene of that particular time in San Francisco. Like, there was a lot of people who who came from all the comedy clubs, and they would go up to her parties afterwards. Yeah. So, who went to Mad Dog in the Fog? Uh, I, 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 I t- maybe it's maybe there was a certain group that went there because any time the few times I was is, in is town, is this like too much baseball? Should we tell people what? The Mad Dog in the Fog. Yeah, was. we should well, tell them what get, it is. I was going to yeah. get to that. Oh. Yeah, but that was that pub in the Lower Hate. Because I, yes. I remember going to the Improv on a Monday and then going to the Lower Hate. Yes. Uh, to the Mad Dog in the Fog, uh, nice English pub type place. So maybe some got to go to the sex parties there, and the rest of them went to. I don't remember there being sex parties. But, oh, I was just going for. But what? I do remember <laughs> the frittage. There wasn't yeah. sex parties, but the there diaper was, parties. Um, the diaper parties. Well, the diaper parties. I don't well, the know if there was sex. I, my joke about the diaper guys. You remember that one? It was always about you know the diaper guys. They're the perfect man for every woman because finally it's a man you can actually change. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. I'm getting a look of disapproval from Jack. No, it's I'm so just, right. I'm just like, you know, you didn't see the nurse jerking off the guy on New Year's Eve. I, I love that, uh, they, that they timed it. Yeah. And you know no, somebody went... No, it was like brilliant oh, timing, was, actually. I, really? I, it was like one of those like moments where you think, you know, uh, one of those moments like, oh my God, I walked into this club and there was X, Y, or Z starlet or whatever. Yeah. And I walked into a party and there was a nurse jerking off a guy on you, New Year's you, Eve. You, and you, the somebody's balls, somebody's balls dropped. No, it was, <laughs> it, was, it was a San Francisco New Year's Eve moment. I don't know. I I just know that, well, it was the 90s though when like, yeah. harsh information as entertainment was very much in vogue. Right. It was right, uh, right. that sort of, that kind of time pre-internet where people were collecting all this kind of crap and trying yeah. to freak each other well, out with it. That was Like you'd nose... bring people over to your house. Do you, have you seen this? video this yeah. will fuck you up man and of course yeah it did the nose you know, was into then, uh, that the nose was all about that and you were all about that well, and that we, you're like, so tried right to like you know have our ear to the ground of what mm-hmm. the zeitgeist was at that time and at that time it was like kind of freaky info yeah well, you're right like videos and, and then the audios of of the prank phone calls mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and then the, or this or the like the celebrities going bad Right. Yeah, or yeah. shut up, little man. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was. I don't know. It it seemed kind of. Uh, I don't know. Some of the stuff I I look back on and I think you know some of it holds up and some of it is just kind of a product of its time. You know. Yeah. But will yeah. you talk about a little bit, Jack, about um, what was that? I, I love the zeitgeist. I love the idea of what was going on at the time. You're right. I actually have never heard anybody talk about it that way. That was like about revealing about all the stuff that was underneath celebrity culture, that was underneath what was happening, popular culture. That's like what, like we're gonna try to freak each other out with what's going on. I think you were really the head of that. What, what, what was that about? 
Well, you know, we lived in San Francisco. The magazine was based in San Francisco, and it started off as kind of a spy magazine for the West Coast, except mm-hmm. none of us had gone to good schools, mm-hmm. and we uh, we didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but San Francisco let us start this magazine. And so, you know, it kind of – it was very – Rough in the early uh, year or so, we we started off as a free insert in one of the weekly newspapers, and and you know after a year we were a four color and we were nationwide. But it, uh, uh, you know, we we just kept keeping our ear to the ground. Like, what is mm-hmm. what are people interested in? It's I I don't want to just do a national lampoon because that I think that kind of humor had passed. Yeah, like it was sort of just oh we're parroting something, and it's like no nah, you know everybody does that now. It's like you can find people at a barbecue talking around the barbecue, talk, you know, being as funny as a National Lampoon from 1972. Right. I mean, it's at least in terms <laughs> of the take on things, right. the format. So, so we were like, I don't know. We want to write about true stuff, but we want to make it heinous and funny. And yeah. so, you know, that led us to a lot of people in the United States who were similarly inclined who were either collectors of stuff or who mm. were people who could direct us in, into like uh, you know uh, areas that we were like we had never even heard of this and this would f- definitely freak people out if we put this like right. in a full page two page spread. Uh, one of my favorites was uh, there was um, a facility in New Mexico, uh, I believe it was, that was a home for wayward priests of the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. So if they had been caught like molesting kids in Minnesota or someplace, they were sent to this place mm-hmm. to rehabilitate, be a really rehabilitated. And so we called it Club Ped, and you know we had photos <laughs> oh of it. We had photos of the tennis court. Oh my god! And we, uh, you know, so that kind of stuff I was actually really proud of. It's that's like, amazing. It's, it is it's good. funny, but it's also like real shit. It's like, no, it's you know, amazing. So we we were trying to astonish people, but also yet have a sense of humor. And so we were we were definitely uh, reading like fifties magazines, like Confidential and Whisper. Mm. And th- there was this publisher in the fifties named Robert Harrison who who like he was like the king of publishing in uh, the United States in uh, that time period because television hadn't like sucked up the majority of the uh, of the audience for that kind of stuff yet. Right. So his magazines were the largest circulation in America at the time. So we would read them for inspiration and realize how they did headlines and how they like presented information. And we would show it to our art directors and say, you know, this is no, let's just like amp this up and make it like kind of a 1990s kind of thing, you know. So so we like had like historical kind of precedent on our side, I think. Yeah. I think that's phenomenal. I love the story we did about how to eat your own dog. That to me was one of my favorites too. What was Cause, that? Because we had we had a, a photo service in New York that would like supplied photos for all these tabloids, and every once in a while they would just give us these weird photos and say, you know, we can't sell these anywhere else. And we're like, these you, are awesome. So you guys we would will like, take it, we right? We would like throw like a whole thing up together. And it was like this cover story of like how to eat your own dog. Like dog, it's just, it's what's for dinner, you know. Oh my and God. it would be like, we ran these recipes <laughs> no. from other countries about how to cook a puppy. And, you no. Know, it, was, and it was like all true. It was all true. I mean, it was amped up. Believe real, real, me, real the recipes? photos were like insane of like a guy in China holding up a dead dog. <gasps> You know and stuff, but all the f- no. all the hate mail came from yeah. oddly enough Southern California. Yeah, like, 
like really people just like it was like where the Hmong community had settled after the Vietnam War. Oh. And then people were flipped out. Like all of this. My son brought this magazine home with this <laughs> horrible thing, you know, yeah. God damn you. You know, they were like. And so we reprinted all of the letters, the right. hate letters in our letters to the other section because, you know, fuck you people, you know, deal with it. It's like, you know, that's just like a you know, international cultural sort of phenomenon. Yeah. And if you, you're so fucking racist that you can't deal with it, and fuck you. Here's right. your name and address, you know, in the, in the letter section. Was it a conscious effort to shock people? I think in the early 90s, I, it's so interesting because I had never heard anybody actually talk about how in the 90s, there was this impulse to shock and to um, enrage uh, whatever your readers or whatever was out there. You were trying to um, best your friends of like things, information or stories that you could get like about the world yeah. to them. It was kind of a, a cultural cachet if mm-hmm. you had Patton Oswald would come to my apartment, for instance, and just stare at my wall of videos. Right. And like and ask questions about this and that, you know. And it was it was like um I don't know. I, I don't know. I I got the feeling we we weren't trying to be elitist about it. Right. We were just trying to really hunt for stuff that people hadn't heard of before. Well, I think you guys were doing it. Feral House is doing it. Amok was doing it. Absolutely. Who else was doing it? Absolutely. Well, there were there were a bunch of people in Seattle who uh, they they you know I mean okay so this is the Nose Magazine network that we set up. Yeah. We didn't really deal with people east of the Mississippi and that pissed them off. Mm-hmm. But it's like you know what you guys have your own magazines. You're the hub of the publishing industry. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. We're not gonna. We we would actually not even bother with people who wanted articles from east of the Mississippi. Yeah. We were like, no, we're Western U.S. Yeah. All, of our, all of the editors and stuff, we grew up in the Western U.S. So, so the people in L.A. were very celebrity conscious, cultural. Uh, I mean, it was really great that entertainment sort of like information that they would collect. Right. The people in Seattle were like, it was like a rainy culture, a lot of comic books and a little heroin, but they, they, <laughs> they also had their own caffeine. like- caffeine. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like the forerunners of like the caffeine culture. Uh, at the same time, uh, they had their own thing. And Texas people were really into black helicopters and conspiracy theories. And mm. you know, I don't know. It kind of it was just interesting how it broke up around the U.S. That people were like interested in specific like you know subsets of information that they were like particular. Right, you about. had like Utah and the like, Roswell and like all and the that Roswell thing. Absolutely, that kind absolutely. of stuff. Yeah, and Colorado, absolutely. And then yeah. comics, we had, like Jim was talking about earlier, like all the videos we would pass around that you saw to, like, videos that we would have. Like, Jim gave me a lot of videos of, like, um, uh, Star Search Auditions and Chuck Berry and mm-hmm. um, Jane Kennedy was another one. Oh, the Jane yeah, Kennedy Yeah, Jane Kennedy one. fisting video. I think you're, uh, you're glossing over uh, Margaret. The uh, It wasn't just a Chuck Berry video. It was Chuck Berry peeing on the face of his girlfriend and then farting uh, in a bathtub. <laughs> and wanting her to uh, so, smell but, it. And But this was like a home video that he had shot that somehow... That wasn't pro, it wasn't a pro shot. No, it wasn't a pro shot. That people had bootlegged. Now, the same with the Jane Kennedy. It, Nobody think, knows who Jane Kennedy is now, but she yeah. was kind of a... a she was like a TV presenter, I guess. She was uh, Miss America. Yeah. I believe. That's right. I think she point. was. I think she was. And she uh, she had like a gig uh, hosting uh, ABC Sports or something. Yeah, like right, that. right. 
Uh, yeah. But yeah, it, so it was a video of her getting fisted. Uh, and there was a lot of stuff like that. That were There was a politician in Pennsylvania who shot himself in the oh, face. Bud, oh, Bud Dwyer. Bud Dwyer. Bud Dwyer. But yeah. I, I, yeah, I would always that, skip past that one. That kind of um, video. That was, was terrible. He shot Connors? himself in the head. Yeah, that was a terrible one. He uh, he held a press conference and he was uh, he was caught, I think, cheating on something. Or and there was right. some money from, un- the, from untoward, the And so yeah. he pulled out a gun out of a manila envelope and shot himself in the face. Uh, on camera live, so so that video was like traded around yeah. amongst people. It wasn't was a public, a, publicly available anywhere. So no. I don't know, but you know, I got into this weird circuit of people where we would like swap that kind of stuff because it was material for our magazine, and it was like I don't know, we were all into that kind of world for a bit. You know, I don't it know. Probably it came seems... to somebody, came to came to you, to somebody, to 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 to, to me. You know what I mean? That you could probably see that. Yeah. that well, there are a lot that of comedians swapping us. Well, comics like love a... to do to get together. <laughs> I actually got gigs because I was able to like. Kind of somebody would call me up. Do you have the video? Of... Yeah, I do. And I'll bring it over. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Oh, do you want to do a week? Like a, a booker asked me yeah. for one video, and I think I got work out of it. I think uh, the Jim Rose mm. Circus Sideshow uh, and I produced an event at, in Seattle once where we screened all all this kind of stuff. And there was a line of kids like sitting on the floor in the mm. nightclub waiting to come in. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this is like really bizarre. You know, this is really kind of like hitting a nerve. And, yeah. And, 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 and you know, you, there was no internet yet. It was like right before the browsers really and YouTube. Right. There wasn't yeah. YouTube yet. So, so all this stuff was like really sort of, you know, um, Sama's Dot being passed around i don't know why maybe people were bored and that was like so the you know real information was kind of entertainment at the time i don't know but i saw well, it, it among it was, there was a, it was real it was real yeah. stuff yeah. but I, I i saw it like being passed around comedians and journalists and musicians yes yeah. and you know the, the, i don't know it was just kind of an interesting little pocket of time how, where, how uh, though like now sex tape culture is such a big deal yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, it happens yeah. so much, and yeah. people almost do it now because it's like, oh, I'll get attention, I'll get right. a career out of it. How's right. your sex tape doing, Jim? It's uh, it's one of the lowest ranked. <laughs> it's just rank. <laughs> but I, I didn't think a koala could do that. <laughs> it's all pouch, baby. It's all pouch. <laughs> Tiny, tiny. <laughs> but um, uh, wow. you should see my Skippy the Bush kangaroo. A lot of information um, there. But, Skippy the uh, how, I wonder, like, how did the Chuck Berry tape get out? Because back know. then it wasn't internet. It wasn't uh, you didn't upload it. Somebody didn't steal your phone. I don't know how. Did it he got just out. mail it to people? It's a, maybe as a he did he just give it away? Did he get? Because I almost think it like disgruntled the, the employee or something. Probably something like you know. But where where's that tape? You know, where's, yeah. where, where, what happened to my original? Tape? Who, do you want like a your first generation? Is that what you're looking for? <laughs> no, no, but I mean, I'm wondering, like, did he get freaked out? Like, what happened to it? Yeah, I, don't think I wonder how he got out of show it hands. to people. But I just wonder, like, how that stuff. I can, because I can understand. Well, the, you know, it, it's probably really embarrassing for those people to have some of that stuff. Like Johnny Carson drunk on the Tonight Show. I remember seeing. But that stuff those, was on TV. Yeah, yeah it was. But it's like it. I'm sure they would like. Like it to be forgotten, but right. the Chuck Berry thing there was it, it was interspersed with vacation video. Do you remember that? Yeah, like, they're, it they're was out like, there and they're and out like at the Grand Canyon things, or something, yeah. right? That's and right. And so they That's were like right. out and seeing things. So there was like this part in the middle where the the part like the tape was like spliced, not spliced, but it was like it was like where one the video long ends tape. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like filming on one long tape, and so it would just get like. You know, interrupted with uh, vacation things and stuff. You know what's that really weird, weird about this, thinking about this now, is that 
uh, watching those kind of videos like, oh, this is Chuck Berry peeing on his girlfriend or this is Jane Kennedy getting fisted. Uh, for the first two or three minutes, you're like, <laughs> but after a while, if you thought about it more, it's sort of like really weird invasion of privacy. Right. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I remember watching uh, the Tommy Lee and uh, uh, Pamela Anderson yeah. video. And this was a few years later. And, yeah. it, and of course, it was like released on bootlegged a million times. And mm. I don't, it was kind of a little, a few minutes, few years later after this. But I remember watching it and thinking, you know, I don't know. Then this is like, a, a, it's not a. It's not entertaining to me. It's mm. sort of like no. either either the culture had changed about this whole thing or I had changed. And I thought, I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of invading these people's privacy. They're just out on a boat right. having sex. And it's like, why is this like, uh, why am I watching it? Why is it being released? I don't know. Well, and also because she's... And it's a weird voyeuristic thing. But it's, she's also, it, it trades in, in only sexuality. And so does he. Chuck Berry, you don't right. think like... <laughs> you know, I bet Chuck Berry, you know, gets a lot of pussy. I mean, I'm sure he does. But <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. You don't think about that. I no. think about, yeah, of course, Pamela Anderson sucks a lot of dick. Yeah. And, the, the, Big and, dick. and, and Tommy Lee giant gets his dick, dick sucked a lot. It was you, don't, a giant you don't think about Chuck dick. Berry and sexuality. Yeah. Or, you know, no. but maybe the, well, my ding a ling. But I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't add up. You know, well, you think of, I think Chuck Berry was a pretty sexy, sexy guy, but, yes, but I don't think of him pissing on a girl in a bathtub. Well, that, yeah, that's also the, the, the fetish aspect. Thing. Well, yeah, well the I fetish wonder, aspect. Yeah. how come that's we, a little more private or, or maybe, maybe they have. What about the Bob Crane sex tapes? Cause this guy is really the, oh, this guy really is the, 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 um, the the you know the the originator of that are those shit. out there oh yeah no I I, I know, don't think I, they are I, yeah. we uh we like the guy who wrote the book about that the Bob Crane like kind of tale Bob Crane uh, on, on, Hogan's on, Heroes on who, which the the, the movie and, yeah. was based um he was the guy who also wrote the book about the Zodiac killer and he lives in San Francisco mm -hmm. Bob Graysmith and I I remember going and having coffee with him and talking about the Bob Crane right. story because we actually reprinted. In the Nose Magazine, a section of the Bob Crane book that he had yes. done. And he said, oh, my God, I have seen the Bob Crane videos. And he held his hand up like three feet high, like he had watched all of them. Oh. And I was like, I don't know what you're going to glean from it other than Bob Crane like the fuck swingers, you know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, and, and at one point Grace it becomes uninteresting. Like, like it becomes that? it becomes boring. Like at, at one point, like watching swingers just actually becomes boring. You know, I mean, I think that at like you get the celebrity and then you get the uh, uh, the amazing like thing of it, but then after that, it's boring. Like I don't know, fucking is boring, kind of. I oh, think. you mean watching watching yeah. it? Yeah, I watching think. swingers. Yeah, yeah. it sort of gets repetitive. You mean watching it or being there and watching it? Both. Yeah. Uh, so, so is it um, um, is it less exciting than watching people who are more professional? Performers? No, it's just unexciting. I don't know. Watching people have sex is unexciting. If you're not participating directly, it's unexciting. I think I'm not a viewer. How? Um, it's kind of like blues music. <laughs> <laughs> it's if just old fat white it, guys. It's really, really great. But uh, if you're watching it, it's like. Eh. Yeah, it gets dull. I don't know. I've seen <laughs> if it. Not participating. Woke I up think. this morning. Yeah, you know. Whatever I think, it is. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm not a viewer, so I don't know. Maybe it's different. But maybe you're a blues woman. Possibly, <laughs> probably. 
That's probably it. But I'm curious to see what the the Bob Crane. I'd love to see maybe not all thing. three feet of it. Yeah. I'd like to see a couple of inches of of a Bob of the Bob Crane. That's movie. quite oh a lot of you know. I, I, I think Margaret's right though. I think that that you can pretty much. Uh, picture in a couple of minutes like okay yeah this bob crane is a famous guy and then here's like a middle-aged woman who wants to fuck him you know right that's I mean? fine it's like but it sort of doesn't get that much um, more than that you yeah go, no it doesn't no. progress any further than uh you know i don't I know think. jim i'm i see the look on your face i don't want to like Harsh your buzz if you want to go chase that. No, no, and find but, it I mean, out and watch all thirty-five thousand no, hours no, no, no. of Bob Crane porn. You could definitely How do that. But I just wonder though, because everything seems to get out now. Right. Everything's leaked. How is that stuff not really? I know. How leaked? is that not out there? How is that? If, uh, that guy's has his videos. That house is not out there. Well, why would he release it? I the don't book know. came out. The well, movie came out. It's not like uh, because people release uh, goddamn everything. Yeah, you think? I, uh, but you know, if maybe is it uh, too long? I mean, the guy died in what nineteen seventy eight. I don't know who owns the rights to those videos, but it's like either the family or the journalist, and like it doesn't really behoove either right. to no. leak it out. But no, the guy but I mean, who killed it, him died. Unless there's right? some sort yeah. of like public yeah. outcry for Bob Crane porn. From Hogan Heroes, maybe the, your listeners could well, it's, start it's, a campaign. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if we can get Betty White to host SNL, we can get a little bit of the Bob Crane <laughs> fuck videos out there. But I think Come people want to see it. I think people want to see everything. No, I'm though. just amazed. Not so much that I want to see it. I mean, ooh, there is that part where you go, "Oh, well, this this because this guy's so associated with it, right?" Now. And from way back, because he was so screwed up and and doing that. But I'm just amazed that. Having trafficked in that culture of, of here's this weird video and here's this one, here's the one of Chuck, Chuck Connors doing a gay porn. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. how come the Bob, I just wonder how come the Bob Crane ones never got out? Like, right. Because, you know, the other ones got out. How did this one? You know, I think his son has uh, the right. Maybe they to just it. burned him. Right. No, his son has, like, I think. I think I remember going to one of his websites. You know, it's I, I thought because we did this like article. Uh, you know, I don't know, ninety three, ninety four. Who brained Bob Crane? <laughs> that was a cover story. We put it on the cover, and it was right. like, well, what is it? And we excerpted Robert Graysmith's book, and we ran some photos and stuff. And uh, and I don't know, every I don't know, at, you know, ten years or something, I go, oh, what would have happened with that? And you go to like BobCrane.com, and Bob Crane's son is running a website, mm-hmm. okay. and he is kind of in charge of the legacy of his dad, but he doesn't care about the porn part of it. It's like he kind of is kind of. Embracing that in a way, hmm. so I haven't looked at it. He more focuses on Hogan's Heroes. I think dad. if your listeners are curious, they they could, was it Super Dad? They could, the um, you know, um, his love you know, email the son and <laughs> d- demand the release of, you know, Bob Crane. <laughs> no, I, I just find it interesting that in a, in a culture where every, n- nothing stays in anymore, right? That's a kind of a big one that never got because that guy was all about fucking on camera. And that's more that what he's known for than his his it's actual acting it, yeah. legacy or who he was as a performer. And did the dude? He oh, I think he was. I think he was known for being a, a great comic performer. He was also a great yeah. drummer mm. uh, until you know the he started doing bad dinner theater and like taking pictures of swingers and right. you know. But 
But he had a career that is one of those people's like we think, oh, Barbara Eden, I Dream of Jeannie. Mm. Oh, I love Barbara Eden. I remember watching I Dream of Jeannie. I don't know what the fuck Barbara Eden has done for the last 40 years. She could be a serial killer. I don't know. I have no idea. What is Barbara Eden doing? She's quite beautiful still. We all think of Barbara Eden. Oh, my God. She's the genie. And I think that's kind of the thing with Bob Crane, too. Yeah. Like, people think of, you know, whatever. He had, like, uh, you know, a fucking weirdo, like, kind of, like, second act in his career. Right. But we all think of Hogan's Heroes. He's funny. He was, like, on Hollywood Squares. I don't know. He had, like, a, uh, uh, a legitimate celebrity career that a lot of people don't even care what he did after that. Right. He just comes into um, Vogue because he's, but he is exciting because he had that illicit life afterwards. That Mm -hmm. he had this sort of single, um, very swingery, like weird existence afterwards that people are like wondering about. Like, what did he do? But but that even came out, like, sort of came out a a little bit, like, you know, eventually. Yeah, it took a while. When you're murdered and they don't know who did it. That mm-hmm. also adds to the mystery as well. Right. Like, you know, Bob Crane murdered. Did yeah. the guy beat him in the head with a hammer or a tripod? A tripod. A tripod. Fuck it. That's even better. But he was a guy Supposedly. that he had been sort of doing three ways with, right? Like he had been doing like, like sex. Yeah, he was his him, camera guy. Sort of like. But it's never been proved. Yeah. Yeah. So. You never know. We don't want to get an illegal thing. So we don't want to get an illegal thing. But you although, never know. although you have no problems in uh, suggesting that maybe Barbara Eden. Is a fucking serial killer. You know what? She <laughs> thinks comedy is funny. I perform for Barbara Eden. It's really weird. I've done shows for Barbara Eden, like in the front row. She sits in the front. Like it's weird to perform for Jeannie. She sits in the front. Does she do the thing? Like, How old is she? She must. She, she she's go, in her seventies. But she must have like pretty good plastic surgery, right? Yeah, I think she grants you wishes. Like if you laugh, like make yeah. her laugh, she'll like grant you. I think she's cool. She's beautiful. She, yeah. well, she had a book. Lovely. Does she fold her arms and blink? Mm. She's a lovely woman. I mean, she's great looking and, you know, really, really carried the legacy on. Yeah. She was like the hottest thing on TV when I was homesick from the flu in the 60s. You'd like watch, you know, I Dream of Jeannie. Who were the two? Who were the two? Jeannie and... Uh, Ellie May. N- Ellie, well, yeah, Ellie yeah. May, the um, chicks from uh, no, the Gilligan's Island. Um, oh, we talked about them recently. Uh, we talked about Marcia them Brady. No, nah, well, yeah, but I, I don't mean, know, Jim. Um, what? Well, you're, you're talking Elizabeth, about something Elizabeth you saw Montgomery. in Australia. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Montgomery. Montgomery. Oh, uh, bewitched. Bewitched. She was beautiful. Yeah, she was beautiful too. Yeah, she well, was really. I mean, lovely. if you. So what is the topic now? What are we talking about now? Just hot, to sort of hot chicks in, from the sixties. Hot chicks on TV. 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 I like it. I like a bit of Christy McNichol. But of, of the Christy. oh, Christy McNichol. Well, well, seventies. Um, that's that gets into seventies of the sixties, but and also because of the same sort of like supernatural type thing. Uh, in the seventies, yeah, definitely Christy McNichol. Oh yeah, but Christy I like McNichol I like, in the movie yeah. White Dog. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, she's beautiful. That's she's an great. awesome flick, though, that's because great... it's a dog that's racist. Yeah, that's a great movie. Oh, my God. Who's the director of that? Who... That's like, I think, Sam Fuller. Yeah, Sam maybe? Fuller. What um... a crazy movie. Christy McNichol, the, like the darling that everybody knew from yeah. television, is in this movie where she owns a dog that's racist and attacks black yeah. people. It's okay. so fucked up. What are the other Sam it's Fuller awesome. movies that are like... Um, they're they're really about they're so outrageous what yeah. they're they're so hardcore um i can't 
I'll have to. We'll have to like uh, you know. Is he Blackboard Jungle too? No. That... Somebody pull out a device and Google him. <laughs> uh. But that, that you're so amuck right now. You're so. But that's um... like that just reminded me, like Chrissy McNichol. I re- I remember her yeah. in like you know teen movies mm-hmm. and stuff in the '60s and '70s. But then I remember her in that movie White Dog, where she owned this like right? it was like a white German yeah. Shepherd, right? That it happened was to be like yeah. racist dog. What a bizarre idea for a movie, but yet. Totally compelling and well, it's, obviously it's so a product great. of its time. You yeah, know? but it, it's also like had a revival in the 90s. Like in the 90s, we were so into things that were so outrageous, like Black Devil Dolphin Hell, mm-hmm. which I showed you. Um, did you ever see that? No. Was Christy McNichol in that? No, no that was a not. movie okay. that was made by Chester Brown, who um, was a filmmaker who made like movies on video and he um, created this. Uh, Sort of, it was like magic. Remember that m- movie with Anthony Hopkins and sure, Anne Margaret? Sure, the and, ventriloquist puppet yeah. horror movie. <laughs> but they had it. They so made one ridiculously that, weird. Yeah. But they made like a black puppet that was um, like a Stevie Wonder puppet, <laughs> and um, they they did it all on home video, and it was really insane. But it worked. It worked as a horror film. So that was good. And it was all Mondo video, Amok video, like all that kind of like Amok Because the, the woman Transgressive, puppet, I think, yeah, was the word that was used back then. Yeah. And the Transgressive puppet, video. Yeah. The, yes. the puppet ends up having sex with her, right? Yes. And it was very but it's, erotic. it's an African-American and, puppet. And, and the woman, too. It's kind of Willie Tyler and Molester. <laughs> wow. Wow. But we were looking for that in the 90s. We were looking I think you for just got Margaret then on that one. Uh, that was really good. <laughs> it reminds me of the movie last... Blackula. Do you guys ever remember yes. that? Yes, that was great. With a with the African American vampire. Yeah, mm-hmm. we I love remember Black seeing Black. that in a theater with a crowded theater, and it was like great. fucking awesome. And kids were screaming and throwing <laughs> shit at the screen, and it was like Blackula. Where did you see that? I saw it in my hometown of Montana, like where there are no black people. But it was like it was like so it was already sh- scary. It was already <laughs> <laughs> it was exotic. <laughs> Shall we say? Exactly. It was exactly. I love Blackula. But I remember that distinctly. That's a great movie. I, I've never seen it since, but I... And, uh, but th- and then wasn't a, there a, a sequel? Probably Scream, a sequel. Blackula Scream? Yeah. Mm. Blackula has risen from the grave or there something. Was a lot of, there was a lot of, like, um, There was a lot of horror and, stuff back then. Yeah. Well, um, we talked recently about this, and I think we talked it on one of the shows, the Krista McNichol, um, but of that, of that era, of the, of the way things, you couldn't do it now, Little Darlings... Oh yeah, do you remember that? Nickel and Tatum O'Neill. I don't think I ever. And saw they were that. in a contest to fuck Armando Sante, who was <laughs> in his forties. They were like thirteen, and he's in his forties. When little girls were sexualized, when they were like, um, you know, little darlings, it was like, um, like maybe late seventies, early eighties, where like it was okay for young girls to have sex with older men. Like Brooke Shields was part of that. Yeah. Um, but it was really Jodie Foster. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, it's so wrong. Thing. It's so wrong. But they seemed to like. But that it was, was like a, a taboo that was comedy. being explored in pop culture at that time. Yeah, but right. I don't even know if it was taboo then. I think it was okay then, and then it became taboo. I think. Well, later I think on. it was probably always taboo because it really is, and like even in like ancient cultures, like you don't fuck a seven-year-old. You know, it's just right. sort of like, but. But at it, you know, in that sort of rad era of the seventies in mm-hmm. film, you're like, oh, let's push the boundaries. Right. Why don't we sexualize Brooke Shields? Why don't we sexualize Jodie Foster? Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was well, like, like taxi driver. It was yeah. calculated to yeah. like, you know, um, there was another movie, Foxes. 
right. like uh, Jodie Foster's kind of around the same Sherry time. Sherry Curry's that. Yeah. Where they were like, oh, you know, young 14-year-old hotties trying yeah. to, I don't know. It was like very bizarre, kind of a product of its era, you know? Yeah. And the product of your era or our era is that 90s of like trying to freak each other out with what was going on. And that's like the first time I ever heard it. That's what we were doing is we were trying to freak each other out. We were trying to upset each other and also see how far we could go with each other with what was going on in the world. And I don't well, see yeah. that happening again, really. No, well, it was also sort of like, you know, the, uh, the, the, the pop culture of the day was kind of boring. Mm-hmm. And this was stuff that was, this was mm-hmm. information and video and audio and print media that was like under the radar that was different than what you were being spoon fed. Right. As a kid living in the burbs or wherever you were living, this was, you know, I remember people writing us notes at the Nose Magazine. They were like, oh my God, thank God. Yeah, I, you warped my brain and I thank you <laughs> for it. And I still get <laughs> notes like, uh, you know, to this day, I get people, you know, emailing me like that magazine folded in 1995, but I still get notes every year. People saying, thank you. Oh, my God. You like changed my life or whatever. Right. You know? And it's not online anywhere. The magazine is like there's like there's nothing that exists about it other than it's on eBay. There's a there's an essay on my uh, website. Uh, uh, but but uh, I don't know. I I don't know. I um we didn't make a dime off of it, but you know, it was like, it just seemed like it needed to be done, you know, and yeah. and that kind of launched me into like whatever else I do now. But it's great, but, and it changed everybody's perspective on the way that we view the world, and we will always thank you for that. But what are you doing now? You're doing um, this incredible thing where you're like hosting all these different events all over the world. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're doing amazing stuff. Well. Um, I, I am the co-founder of the Liquid Literary Festival in San Francisco, and it's been going on for 14 years now. Amazing. And, um, you know, it's really only been a full-time thing for the last five years or so. But it's uh, it's a literary festival that takes place in San Francisco in the Bay Area, and it's nine days long, and it features over 800 authors in uh, 170 different events. And most of them are free. And so it takes an enormous effort of all these people and volunteers and co-curators and presenters and everything uh, from the Bay Area to make it happen. And so we do a lit crawl uh, through the Mission District of San Francisco at the closing night, and that is almost always 70 to 90 events long mm. in three hours, and it's all free, and it's all literary events. That's and great. it's crazy. So, so that lit crawl idea has been now since been exported to... Uh, and franchise to Brooklyn, New York, London, Seattle, uh, North Hollywood, Austin, uh, Iowa City, and I'm probably forgetting a few others. But people are asking us all the time if they can be part of this network. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's pretty astonishing that um, people are that hungry for some sort of legitimate literary experience. I think it's uh, uh, in part because people are so inundated with. Uh, um, information all the time mm. on your phone constantly. Right. You can be barraged with bullshit every waking moment of your life. So this is a moment to turn off the phone and go out and actually experience something um, uh, 
that you might consider legitimate or uh, um, uh, uh, I don't know, honest or a raw right. kind of moment where you can hear a poet read or you can see people read from their new novel mm. or you can uh, you can see some sort of storytelling event in our culture that lasts longer than 140 words mm-hmm. or characters or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, I, I, I don't know yeah, that's, why. That's Twitquake. I know. <laughs> I don't know why there is a waiting list for MFA programs in fiction around the United States. Mm-hmm. I don't know why there's a waiting list for MFA programs in journalism around the United States because there are no jobs. Yeah. There is an interesting hunger, I think, for young people to think like, well, I don't know, where, uh, what am I interested in? Well, I'm interested in this. I don't care if there isn't a job yeah. available. I'm really curious about it. And so those people uh you know they 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 like our festival because it's like i don't I, if i was a young person and there was a literary festival in san francisco i would yeah i don't know i would definitely go to it but there wasn't there was when i moved to san francisco in 1983 there were comedy clubs that mm-hmm. was kind of the reigning zeitgeist there was sort of music clubs and it was kind of evolving and then it was definitely Comedy, comedy, comedy all the time. And you guys right. know this. You guys live there. So it was like brick walls, pizza parlors, Alex Bennett on the radio. There was yeah. this sort of comedy, comedy, comedy. And that's not happening anymore. But what, for whatever reason, this kind of stuff, there's a ton of literary events in San Francisco right now, as well as major cities around the United States. There's there's uh, a lot of reading series, Porchlight storytelling. There's a lot of storytelling series. There's a lot of podcasts devoted to literary things. It's kind of mind-boggling how it has kind of uh, snowballed, and uh, I don't I don't know why it happened. Uh, we were just a bunch of writers who started it on a mm-hmm. whim in 1999, and now it has grown into this enormous thing that is like this full-time well, job for a few of us, you know. Okay. And we still write on the side, and mm-hmm. uh, you know everybody who volunteers for our committee. They're also writers or librarians, or they work in bookstores, or you know, they they have some connection to that world. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of a weird tour de force. It's it's it. kind of wild to see it expand to other countries in particular. That's yeah. like blows my mind. Well, I wish can, that there was a budget to where, fly us there for. But consultation. where can people find out about um, <laughs> where they can see it? I want to see it. Uh, well, you know, lickquake.org is the main website, and okay. the lickcrawl. Dot org is uh, a homepage for all the cities yeah. uh, that are that are doing the, that lick crawl program. Yeah, that's phenomenal. And where where is your? Um, do you tweet? Where do you tweet at? at? I tweet. Sure. Where do you tweet at? Everybody has to, right? Where do you tweet at? We tweet. I'm tweeting right now. We're tweeting right now. You're so subtle. <laughs> um, I tweet at uh, Jack Bowler, but uh, the Lickwake tweets. At Lickquake and Lickcrawl, at Lickcrawl, and then all of the other cities also have their own Twitter accounts. Yeah. And can people find your books online? Can they order them online? They can. Because you've you've had many great books. Yeah. Uh, Well, I love your punk rock book. The punk rock book was uh, uh, in a collaboration with uh, Silka Tudor, my friend at uh, SF Weekly, for many years, and it's an oral history of uh, punk rock in the Bay Area, and uh, it came out in 2009 but it's also uh available on ebooks and it's uh it's still um cranking along um and margaret was nice enough to 
give us a little quote for it's a great our, book. I remember when book. you were writing that, and we because you we, we you, you we spoke about it, and it was so funny because you said uh, when Jello Biafra came over to your house, yeah, you had to hide all the things that you thought he would be against. We had to hide our dog. He he did not want our dog in the same room. Oh, really? As him being interviewed, no. so uh, didn't you have to hide things that you would think he would think would would don't be uncool? Hide. No, nah, I don't remember that. I, I, remember I remember some story about like you're like oh, anything that he would think would be like oh you like make a judgment on like we hate it in case he he would see it. I don't remember that, but I remember that he hated our dog and we had to move no, our dog, you dog to another floor of the uh, building so it wouldn't disrupt him. So we ended up like interviewing is him in the kitchen for four and a half hours. What is he? <laughs> what is con- what style is it? Beagle. He was a beagle, and it was a laboratory beagle. test animal that was a that was that. What, uh, what is his name? Lab. What was his name? Was but but uh, he was really Jellybeoffer didn't care about any of that. I it like was really that ears. there was a dog in the room, and that was bad. He was, his ears were tapped forward, and that's all mm. I needed. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe he had like a, a, a an allergy to laboratory animals. I don't know. But I love him. I loved him. He was a good boy. But yeah, it was it was quite an adventure. That book we interviewed about three hundred people all around the Bay Area, and it took us like two more years than we thought, and we just had to like I don't know try and do it as uh, uh, thorough as we could because. People are going to hate it anyway. No, that is it was the great. Uh, that's sort of the um, that's like that. the uh, the the default mechanism, the default <laughs> system for people in, who have been punk rock no. at, at some point in their it. lives. I so so some people like immediately went fuck you. No, how dare you? And yeah. then younger people were like, oh my god, this is this pretty is cool. Great. I remember this stuff. And then really young people, especially people from other countries, are like. Oh my God! I can't believe this book exists. So it's it's kind of a you know uh, we interesting for sort it. of mix of uh, people who who have bought it and appreciate it. But um, uh, yeah, we that's, love uh, it. That's that's the most recent book, and I'm working on another book about sports and why I don't understand sports. Hmm. I don't get it either. But I get Good you. Good for you, Margaret. I get you. <laughs> I get Jack Bulwer. Um, we love Jack and thank you. Um, you can tweet me at Margaret Turner. What can they tweet you at, Jim? At Jimmy Shelter. You can tweet both of us at Monsters of Talk. We are Mondays now on SoundCloud.com and iTunes. You can subscribe. iTunes? This, yeah. Awesome. What about Stitcher? Uh, we don't know about uh, Stitcher. What's, what's, Stitcher. what's that? Dude. It's a, it's a podcast aggregator. Got to get on it. Stitcher.com. Oh, oh, what, what does that do? Uh, it allows you to boot up Stitcher on your phone and bookmark your favorite podcast. Oh my god! Including this one. Yeah, you okay. got to bookmark this. Um, we'll, we'll be we'll we'll be on Stitcher then. We got to stitch it yeah. up. We got to figure out what this is and then yeah, get get stitched. Yeah, I'm gonna get, get stitched. stitched. We're gonna All stitch right. in time to save nine. <laughs> exactly. We're gonna. Jim, are your pants usually off during interviews? No. <laughs> my trousers sometimes. Actually, I don't think I've done an interview. Uh, Not on, yet. On this is the first. And we've done fifty-one seems. now. Yeah, this is one. Fifty-one without uh, without the pants being off. So pants on fifty-one times. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. It so. just seemed like I don't know. I rolled with it, but I just wondered. I just figured that as well. You know, I get to sit on a nice couch in a in a hotel room. <laughs> The the trousers are coming down. It's very nice. It's much you know, make yourself mine. at home. That's the intercontinental way. That is it. That you is guys it. are We're, in such a nice that's hotel. That's what I like to do. When I go to somebody else's hotel room, I immediately <laughs> like to remove my pants <laughs> because it makes me feel comfortable and everyone else feel uncomfortable. All right. 
I don't know. I, uh, I, I, it seems okay. It seems very Austin to me. It's I thought very it was Austin. weird though when you put them on. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're keeping Austin weird. We're not the same size. <laughs> We'd be the best improv group. Jack and I should. We should get. We Can should. We a, should do it. Have a suggestion of a size of pants, please. <laughs> Something two men could do with a pair of trousers. Oh. Who aren't related. All right. I'm going home. Waste. Thank you very much. You know, okay. you, know the, you know the improv games. It's like we have to like you're returning an item, and you have to guess what it is. I have this pair of pants that don't fit. I'm so, yeah. returning them for you, and I love you guys. Thank you. Thanks we love thank you. you. Thanks for listening. Bar- Barbara Eden is a lovely woman. <laughs> Very lovely. <laughs>